What's up, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Minority Report. As always, I am your host, the head minority in charge, Gus. Along with me is my partner, Jay. How's it going, everybody? Partner, of course, in the most heterosexual heterosexual life, life mate. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. You go. But even even so, like they won't judge. Yeah. Well, no, motherfuckers judge. <laughs> anyway, so along with us today, we have a very special guest, our buddy Jorge. How's it going, guys? Okay, Jorge's here from. He has his own podcast, and it's called. Uh, Boycott Podcast is a podcast you can find everywhere. Spotify, YouTube, literally everywhere. But uh, you guys spell it different, Boycott, right? It's not B-O-Y. No, 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 no. It's with the I. So yeah, it's because B- it's, a pod- it's a Spanish-speaking podcast. Uh, we talk about like some really, mm-hmm. really common themes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know, I want to say like concert experiences and, and things mm-hmm. like that. It's just like... Yeah, really informal and uh cool. actually yeah and actually as a matter of fact like our dynamic dynamic is we drink during the pro during oh, the program so it's like super relaxed super so chill it's just so like pretty, it's just like for literally just like right now just four friends talking and, and whatnot so pretty much like a night on at the bar and everything yeah, yeah yeah pretty much like a see i've been wanting yeah. to do something similar to that but what i wanted to do is i wanted to give jay an edible and and just record until it hits him. You keep saying that, but it's not going to happen. See, this is this is why I cannot stand people who always. It's just like that whole like, hey, let's do this with you, like that whole experimentation thing. Yeah. First, first of all, it's fucking creepy. Also, I don't even. I love you, but I don't trust your ass and everything. Let's see what happens. Well, right. uh, honestly, I would like the the interaction of the whole thing if you also took an edible because I think that oh, see, if thing. only Jay oh, took the edible, it would be too much. Like he would be too <laughs> yeah. much like a guinea pig. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but no, I I take two of them. Yeah, <laughs> you'll I, take two I, of I, them. I ain't fucking down with that shit. You know, how about this? Since you since you won't shut up about the edibles you take them oh t- I, I do i mean I, what, I don't do those things yes you do <laughs> anyway so what we're going to talk about today is something that I, w- I was watching i was watching um wednesday mm-hmm. and then i looked online and there's all these people talking shit about wednesday wait it's, wait for real yeah wednesday. seriously i know right wait a minute you're saying that a show with a latin female lead and people are complaining weird how that happens get happened, the fuck so. out of here <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it I know. So what we want to talk about is Latinos in the media, Mm -hmm. basically everything from movies, TV, the representation, or should I say the lack thereof. And when we even get a little bit of representation, it's it's like looked down upon. Because right now we have two two and a half Latinos right here, and mm-hmm. uh, we have what's <laughs> it like two and a half Latino, Latino, yeah. no, no, as all you know, as all you know, because I've mentioned it quite a few times before. I'm Puerto Rican, and Jorge, your family's from Mexico. Mexico, see there you go, Orale, Simon. Anyway, but. Jorge is one of the coolest. He's a he's a Mexican goth metalhead. So those are pretty cool. And pretty much like a male Wednesday, but <laughs> but, uh, but adult. <laughs> adult Wednesday. A Wednesday aesthetic, but a pugsley uh, like you know Care- people skills. Careful, yeah. <laughs> careful. They might have that on Pornhub. <laughs> so, oh, adult male Wednesday. Oh no. Oh, dude, dude, they have it at Ruby's, those costumes, Adult Wednesday. Dude, that's actually, like, really, really creepy. And I was having mm-hmm. a conversation with, like, several people. Uh, I was having that conversation with several people yesterday. About the fact that No, the, the fact that people have been over-sexualizing Wednesday. Okay, as a oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, the whole other episode we could do. The over-sexualization of, fem- of like, little girl characters. Like, uh, Dora, another... Like Latin Sammy, character. Like yeah. Sammy Haina, unfortunately she's not here with us. We were talking about it because there's a, a well-known cosplayer, I'm not going to name names, that she did a shoot with uh, Dresses Dora the Explorer. Mm-hmm. And I think she gets down to nude 
but it's Dora the Explorer. Yeah. She's supposed to be eight years old. What the fuck kind of shit is that, dude? That is a whole type of... That that whole concept right there and everything, people who are into that concept, they're just pretty much showing their whole yeah. ass. No pun intended. No, and, but like, well, it, it is exposing like the, their inner perv and they, everything. Exactly. Um, and... It, that should not be fucking normalized. Right. These are yeah, exactly. these are child characters. No, exactly. Like yeah. I said, we could do a whole episode yeah. on that because, like, I even have one about Taylor Lautner, an example. Um, yeah, yeah, you know who Taylor Lautner is. But yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, so, Jacob. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, getting back but not on to topic. Deviate too much about it. That's fucking gross. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. exactly. But getting back on topic is like, like, so I was watching Wednesday, and it started off with because Tim Burton was getting a lot of shit because he doesn't hire. Uh, well, he hadn't hired or a cast in his movies prior to that any minorities like if you look at all his movies his imdb they're they're all just like caucasians the only movie where he actually has diversity was mars attacks but that was really not an original yeah because remember yeah, jim brown no, no, uh, I get that. but yeah. that but there there's a loophole with that because that's not based on like his original work that was based on like those like um tops cards tops cards yeah, yeah. and everything They're like baseball cards so yeah. yeah so that pretty much like that whole fed into the whole like you know he doesn't cast people of color cuz it's exactly. not his aesthetic exactly. um but we have Jorge here mm-hmm. who is the Tim Burton aesthetic mm-hmm. And he's still going to say, oh, they don't fit my aesthetic. Right. Well, the, yeah. see, the thing is, that's why I wanted to have Jorge here to talk about this. Because yeah. one, he does have that aesthetic. And two, he studies film. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he has an insider's view on this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it felt like Beetlejuice and Corpse Bride and all that. It was all Caucasians. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and was it Sweeney Todd? Where in this one, he hired... Because, I mean, let's face facts. The dude's named Gomez. I mean, you can't hire him. I mean... Yeah. And, and the thing is that people were talking shit because he never hired minorities and then they said oh finally when he cast black people he always had he was cast them as villains right there's always there's always a caveat yeah. with it well but the thing is first they complained that he never cast black people then when he class, cast black people mm-hmm. then they say oh he only cla- he only cast them as villains well come on man well see that's the thing though is that see i don't want to spoil it because for folks who haven't seen watch wednesday yet and everything that's their damn fault yeah so okay <laughs> that's actually my fault. All right. i haven't seen it yet. all right well then oh, you fuck. haven't seen it yet no I've oh, never okay so then it. see i was about I to don't say care if you spoil it well i don't want to spoil it for you because okay. i think you should still i yeah, think you yeah, would dig yeah, it yeah. and everything mm-hmm. see i don't take it as an example of like you know the vim part and everything um i i wish i can go into detail with this but i don't want to spoil it for jorge and everything no that's not, right. you yeah. can go ahead and spoil and, it and see, i don't care and see jay can give it from the perspective of both because his mom is latina mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. his father's black yeah so mm-hmm. i mean do you think it's wrong the way he cast them in there um so for wednesday um the the like the sole black character in there well there's two, two, two there's, there's two. two yeah but we're talking about like um so uh, Bianca, um, who's like one of the prominent like uh, characters in the in the show, um, is a, a black character, and she's portrayed as like the Regina George of the of Nevermore, which you know, I think is of, a of big Ravenmore, deal. I which think, I think yeah. is a big deal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, and she's you know she's a total girl boss type of character and everything. Exactly. She just happens, you know, it, it fed into the whole like oh like you know the angry black girl stereotype and whatnot, but. It started out like that because right. her and Wednesday are butting heads and everything. However, there's a lot more layer to Bianca 
Right, and but I think, yeah. I think I think you're right on that because yeah. it, okay, the, the people want to type her as the quote unquote villain, but she really isn't. No. She is the most popular girl in school. Mm-hmm. She is supposedly the prettiest girl in school. Mm-hmm. She is like the queen bee, right? You know, so I don't understand why they have a problem with that. And yeah. well, he, here's the worst case of it. I'll let you. Okay. Here's the worst thing I saw about it online. The most of the people that are outraged about it are not black. What the hell, dude? <laughs> that's well. That's always been like that. Okay. Well, I can understand like you know folks being an ally and everything right. and whatnot. But okay, you could be mad on be- our behalf, but let us speak about it as exactly. well. Exactly. You, you know were gonna saying? say Jorge? Yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna say. Uh, you know, you, were, you guys were talking about that black girl character in Wednesday right. Adams. Like, okay, she's super popular. She's loved by everyone, but she's still debating. Like, okay, at, at the same time, like, yeah, sure, they're not. Uh, you know, trying the minority like less than the other characters right. or anything like that. But at the same time, wouldn't that make her the villain at the same time? Because she, you know, she falls into the trope of like the popular pretty villain yeah. in a coming mm-hmm. of age story and kind well, of and kind she, of kind of stuff. I wouldn't put her as the the um, the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She is she she has the a growth as the character because mm-hmm. from the beginning mm-hmm. to the end, mm-hmm. she's one of the characters that grows the most. And, and honestly, her arc is actually one of the most. It's the reason I, I, you know, got hooked. Not because it's just Wednesday and Adam's family. Because I've been an Adam's family stand since like right. you know, the like when the movie came out. <laughs> Stan, right? Uh, Adam Sand. Um, but her whole growth and everything, as Gus exactly. said, like has mm-hmm. been like one of the best parts of the show. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. but and the thing is, I don't know. It, it feels like it's almost like that undercover racism with people. Yeah. Like, oh, they see a black character. Oh, but she's already the villain. Like, wait, wait, how do you know she's the well, villain? Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the thing is that people who I, I saw people outraged about it and they hadn't even watched the show. Yeah. How mm-hmm. can you how can you say that you're outraged by something if you ain't even watch it? Oh, somebody told me. Oh, so you went to www.trustmebroiknowaguy.com. <laughs> Come on, dude. No, that's yeah. where I get my shoes, by the way. Yeah, trust me. My actually, fly Pippins. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's actually kind of similar to the Spirit Gonzalez controversy. Like, uh, you know, everyone knows the Spirit Gonzalez uh, cartoon that was. Speedy Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Spe- yeah I thought you said Spirit Gonzalez, but yeah. What's that? I thought you said Spirit Gonzalez. Yeah, that's what I was going to Google that. For some reason, I thought it was Spirit Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. Okay, so you guys know about the whole controversy that the show got canceled like in the 90s because a lot of people thought that it was like super racist but it, it turns out that they brought it back because the Mexican uh, population of the country wanted the, the, the it didn't the bother us yeah. yeah well see that's the thing going back to that that's the what I wanted to t- the main topic is well we're going to talk about the Latinos in media so going back to the Wednesday thing people were uh, like all up in arms because as, as Jay likes to say they were nostalgia fapping because they remember the 90s Adams movies you know the Adams family Adams family values so to them that's what Gomez is supposed to be like Raul Julia and they're like oh how come Luis Gomez he's so ugly he's so this he's so dark skinned I was like bro if you go back to the original Adams family like way back they that's what they were. Gomez was a hideous looking little troll dude. Yeah. And Morticia was this tall, beautiful woman. Yeah, because like the Anna's family, the appeal of it is that it went against the norm. Mm-hmm. Like when you see someone like Morticia, you know, you, you think her husband's going to be like a Cary Grant, um, Humphrey Bogart. Successful uh, businessman. Yeah. Right, right. But um, it's a guy with unconventional looks. Mm-hmm. But that was the point of their love. Like, yeah. it wasn't their looks that no. they fell in love with. It was their character. Exactly. And the fact that he would like, um, like you know, ironically, the Raul Julia version, like he listed mm-hmm. all this sh- horrible shit he would do to himself just for Matisha. I would walk on hot coals. I would have like, you know, 
you know, red hot pokers into my eyes <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he goes, when, they were, when I first saw you, he was your cousin's funeral. Mm. No one would look at the body <laughs> <laughs> because they were checking her out. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, yeah, it's like even uh, in um, in social media and as uh, pop culture, they say, oh, I want to I want to I want to find I want to find a man that loves me like Gomez loves Morticia. Yeah. You know? And they're already missing the point when they're complaining about Luis being cast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See, because, yeah. because if you had a smooth looking guy like Raul Julia, it's like, all right, he's with a good looking woman. That makes sense. But when you have a beautiful woman like Catherine Zeta-Jones that loves a little troll dude like Luis Gomez, you go, why? It's it's like when um, there's a couple on TikTok that I see, the dude probably weighs close to 400 pounds and his girlfriend's like one of those Insta thoughts. And people are like, oh, how could she? she he, he's probably got money. He's probably got this. Maybe he's just a cool dude. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, right, right. See, the thing is, is like people keep mistaking charisma for good looks. You know, those things are like, you know. See, but when you got good looks, you don't have to be charismatic. But in the fact, yeah, exactly. right, right. I mean, like, it's, it's like some extra, it's like some extra seasoning there it, and everything. It's, it's yeah. like you like to yeah. say, was it? Oh, don't worry, buddy, honey. You don't have to be smart. You're pretty. pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was that from? Um, oh, that was from uh, Titus. Titus. Remember, yeah, yeah, that flashback with uh, his then wife, Aaron, yeah. and everything. But the thing is, what also what pisses me off about the whole controversy about the casting is that they keep comparing Louise to Raul. Right. Raul. Gomez is his own. It's Luis, completely different. Right. Dude. It's Luis's Gomez is his own as well. Point is, we do not pit Latin King, these two Latin kings I'm against saying, each other. They're just completely different. Dude. Right, right. And like, you know, Raul did his like modernized take on it. Exactly. Luis is doing like the old school, like, you know, faithful to the comics version. The point is, we should be happy that, you know, a Latin character is being represented I'm, because I mean, yeah because back then when the TV show came out he was played by a white dude exactly yeah. John Aston right right yeah. and you, you oh you know what's funny fun mm-hmm. fact I found mm-hmm. out a bit of trivia about that mm-hmm. John Aston originally was cast to play Lurch really yeah and then huh. he then they well he asked them if he could play Gomez because it was a vehicle for him because he was the most famous one on there right nobody else was known on the show so he he was supposed to play Lurch but then he wanted to play Gomez but anyway the, but what I'm saying is, so rolling off of that, now that you said that, so Luis Gomez. Oh, Guzman. Guzman. Sorry. Yeah. Guzman. That's yeah. right, dude. What the hell is wrong with me? Bacha- it's Gomez Bacha- Guzman. Bachanga. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know what that's from? to get mixed. His, yeah. his, his, in uh, Carlito's way, he played uh, oh, that's right. named Pachanga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, which means yeah. party. Wait, wait. So <laughs> anyway, we'll go rolling off of that, when we talk about the, all the controversies new uh, that's from recent ones, uh, is with Bla- uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. There are Caucasian Mexicans, white Mexicans, mm-hmm. that are mad because Namor is too dark skinned. Yeah. Where Sammy Hain and I were talking about it last night, he's not even supposed to be Mexican. Right. Well, the thing is, like, <laughs> Namor. He's supposed to be Aztec. Yeah, yeah. Namor, yeah he's supposed yeah. to be a Mesoamerican well, character. Right. Well, right. And it's also, it's like, well, Namor didn't have. A fucking like ethnicity to him, like not in the comic books. Not no, in the comic he, books. Well, like he was, comic books, yeah. he was Atlantean, right? But that could mean anything, right? But they yeah, want yeah. well, look. actually, Atlantis yeah. has uh, its roots in in Greek mythology, right. In the Greek culture. So right. if anything, I guess mm-hmm. that if they want, they really wanted to like, you know, give it a cultural background in the movie, they could have just gone back He's to, to the, yeah, mm-hmm. to, yeah. To, to Greece, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. see, but the thing is, since DC or Warner Brothers already did the whole Atlantis thing, right? Yeah, with Aquaman, exactly. Yeah. So they didn't want to say, oh, just another Aquaman, right? Right. Which is smart move. Which on is their part. which yeah. is funny because comic book wise, continuity wise, Namor precedes. He does. Uh, he's before Aquaman. Yeah, yep. but everyone yeah. knows Aquaman a lot well, more. Exactly. So I think well, right. in I terms of super- like 
I blame the Super Friends for that. <laughs> I was about to say, like, Aquaman's got more uh, attention due to, like, Super Friends, Hanna-Barbera, and everything. Yeah, and, and, and also... And, 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 Meanwhile, <laughs> at the Hall of Justice... Where he used to talk to the fish. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but not, you, you, uh, like, not, not even to mention the fact that Jason Momoa gave, a, gave mm-hmm. the character a lot of popularity. Like, mm-hmm. how many Aquamans have you seen in... in 2018 well, after exactly, the, the first right. Justice League movie well, came out. Exactly. Right. I mean, they even uh, they even retconned him in the comic books to look more like Jason yeah, Momoa. That's funny yeah. because like Momoa looks the exact opposite of comic accurate Aquaman because Aquaman was almost like Aqua Aryan, you know, like <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes, like muscled up and everything. Well, that's because, that's because yeah. in the comic books, his his mom is Atlantean, right. Atlantean right. and his father was human, just right. like in the movie. But it was, yeah, he was Caucasian. Right, right. He was actually closer to Black Panther and and everything in terms of like, you know, the um, advanced civilization and the Mm -hmm. way he... But, carries himself and everything yes, but they but, changed the, but they changed the entire character because Momoa like pretty much you know he flipped the script yep, but on get, it yeah. but getting yeah. back on the topic of it mm. so yes he's supposed to be Mesoamerican like Jorge mm-hmm. said so but the controversy was that they said he was too dark mm-hmm. it's like oh he lives underwater how is he so dark bro it's a guy that swims underwater, right. lives underwater, and has wings on his feet. Suspend. It's this. this. It's the same shit that they said about the Black Ariel for the upcoming Little Mermaid. Yeah. Like she should be like pale. Just, just because people drown and they become pale doesn't mean they'll be pale when they're alive no, underwater. But, but, but in a way, it kind of makes sense because if you're out of the sun, you do get pale. Mm-hmm. But it's a dude that breathes underwater and has wings on his feet. So, it's not that serious, bro. Right, right. <laughs> I, 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 it, it does get it does get like really like infuriating when people try to bring realism into a comic book movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, it's like the example I like to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay and I went with some friends to go see uh, Star Wars Rogue One, mm-hmm. and at the end, you know how Darth Vader standing at the broken ship. Yeah. One of our friends goes, "Oh, in the vacuum of space, his cape wouldn't flap like that." I looked at them and went. So the laser swords for the last hour and the laser guns, you cool with that. That's the problem you have. He was, I mo- can, he was moving his cape with a force to look cold. Just shut up. Right, right. Well, it's just one of those like uh, uh, those glasses adjusting type of moments yeah. and everything. Yeah. But or, or you got to do like Jay says. When somebody doesn't understand something, they question. He goes, yeah, a wizard did it. Right, right. A wizard, <laughs> a wizard did, did it. it. But wizard. But anyway. But, Again, I did it. Uh, but, yeah. but honestly... Um, I do, I do love the fact that they tapped into um, Mayan, Mesoamerican culture mm-hmm. to di- not to only differentiate right. um, their Namor from Aquaman, but also... Namor. Th- Namor, yeah. Namor. Namor. That, that sounds like a uh, fragrance. Faith, faith no more. Right? <laughs> but Jorge, you've seen, you seen the movie, right? I unfortunately haven't seen it oh, yet. Oh, dude, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jay, you seen it? I have seen it, and I was completely in awe in how they um, portrayed uh, Namor's character as well as his culture. Like they give it such dignity, and right. that's why I always loved about the MCU. Like, you, say what you will about the MCU, but they have like you know helped in like diversity, especially with Phase Four. Right. Like they've been like bringing in so many like you know Latin um, actors and characters and everything. Well, not only Latinos, they have the Muslims. They they mm. they're becoming more diverse. Right. Where they, Sam Williams, excuse me, Sam Wilson becoming yeah. the the new Captain America. Right. Uh, Shang Chi. Um, America Chavez and Doctor Strange. Uh, uh, was it Lebeau? Um, Monica Lebeau. Oh yeah, uh, Rambo. Monica Ram- Rambo. Monica yeah, Rambo. Rambo. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Oscar Isaac and uh, Moon Knight as well. Yeah. Let me uh, let me tell you something. 
Uh, Jorge, you're familiar with Oscar Isaac, right? Yes. Oh, what do they not put him in? Like they, yeah. he's he's like in a new. <laughs> he's a Star Wars character. Yeah. He's a Marvel character. Right. He's, he's gonna, gonna, be, he's gonna be going into DC soon. No, I just know got, it. Well, yeah. he's got. Yeah. A, he's, he just did a voiceover for like a, a superhero thing too. Didn't oh, uh, he? oh, oh, yeah, Miguel he plays O'Hara. Sp- yeah, he plays Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man Twenty ninety-nine. Yeah. Yeah. Another <laughs> Latin representation. Exactly. So, so it's like, yeah. oh, we we need a Latino. See if Oscar Isaac is busy. It's either, it's either Oscar or Luis. Oh, that dude from uh, the dude from Mandalorian. Oh, uh, uh, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal. Yeah, Pedro yeah, yeah. Pascal. And yeah. there's one more. He has that new Star Wars show, Andor. Uh, oh, Diego uh, Luna. Diego Luna. Yeah. Diego yeah, yeah. Luna. He's good. It's one I, I, I like him. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's kind of replaced the dude from uh, from Selena, <laughs> the one that plays the brother in Selena. Oh, are you <laughs> talking about uh, Jacob Vargas? No, 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 not Jacob Vargas. He played uh, the brother though. No, no, he no, not in Selena. Are you, oh, wait, are you talking about J Lo Selena or the new Selena? J Lo Selena. Yeah, that, that was no, Jacob Vargas. No, it was in J Lo Selena. It was the same dude that play that played. Was it Puppet? Little Puppet in the next Friday? That's Jacob Vargas. I th- really? Yeah. His name? Yeah, Mr. Jacob Ed Vargas. From, from um, uh, was it Mr. Iglesias? Uh, yeah, uh, Jacob Vargas. Like he, I always saw him as like the Mexican Lorenz Tate. I mean, you might be right. You might yeah. be right. But no, so it, it's it, the thing is that, like I said, going back, it's a representation that we're finally getting slowly. Mm-hmm. It, it it irks me when people like I like I was the example I was giving you guys when I say yeah, there's no real superheroes in any of the universes that are like they're making movies about and mm-hmm. somebody goes oh there's Cisco from The Flash I'm like you talking about a D-level character that made the comic relief on a TV show yeah they made him to like a uh, a fanboy bro yeah. There, there's and one yeah he mm-hmm. fell into the trope of like minority best friend I'm right. saying oh, you, you have you mm-hmm. have him and then there's one black dude and it's like that's it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah but like you bring up a good point it's like whenever there is a um, a character of color and in like superhero movies and everything, they're always like the D list. The comic like they're relief never, or the sidekick. They're never like the big three no, characters no. or like the or like the main team and everything. No. And like the dude from Ant Man that stole the movie was it? Uh, oh, um, Michael Pena. Michael Pena. Yeah, yeah. yeah his character, he kind of stole the movie. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. But like, again, comic relief. Yeah, by right. being the minority funny guy. <laughs> yeah. Right, and that's always been a problem with like a lot of representation is oh, that you, you know you're either the sidekick or the comic relief or you know you do like a couple lines and that's it yeah. or, or hell you you play a waiter. Well, see, yeah. but I want yeah. I want to get into the next segment where we're going to talk about kind of the origins of all this, how it has all happened. Mm. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and mm-hmm. we'll be right back hey guys this is jesse from make it a combo thanks for listening to the minorities report but don't forget to listen to our podcast make it a combo where we watch movies and have fun also make sure you check out mi slut hosted by andrea where she gets down to the nitty-gritty of people's sex life and we're back today we're talking about uh the latino representation in media so what i wanted to talk to you guys we go way back uh, to, to talk about latinos and um, Jorge, I'm sure you're probably familiar with this. Jorge is going to be one of our new Gen Z correspondents because, I, like I said, I'm Gen X, which I'm the oldest. And then mm-hmm. Jay is millennial along mm-hmm. with Sammy Hain. And now we got Jorge who's going to be with us on occasion. And he's our Gen Z. So you know what I Love Lucy is, right? What is that? I Love Lucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Desi Arnaz was probably one of the first Latinos to be on television. And he was a great representation. He was a awful person oh because you, you hear the, his the backstory be- oh like that secret room for his hookups <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> at the, at the at De- studio yeah desi lu studio yeah there was a he had a fuck room yeah oh, God. yeah 
yeah. And the thing is, his his him and Lucy were almost on divorce, but they still had such a hit show that they had to keep going. And mm-hmm. and, and that was major at the time because yeah. it was the first time you saw an interracial couple on, on television. TV. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was taboo as fuck. It's about as taboo as like pushing the two beds together. Well, they yeah. were funny that you say that because yeah. they were the first show to do that too. They were the first show mm-hmm. to show a married couple in bed together. Right. Not even Dick Van Dyke did that. Whoa, whoa, yeah. what? Dick no, Van Dyke. Anybody <laughs> <laughs> <You>, what? <laughs> what to who's what? <laughs> See, that's why it's always tough to bring up his name because it's like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? You know, the, the cockney there, guy from Mary Poppins. It, rem- it reminds me of that scene from Matilda where uh, the dad is like watching TV and he has Matilda like, hey, Matilda, why aren't you watching TV? I'm reading. What are you reading? Moby Dick. Moby what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so with Desi Arnaz, he was a great representation on television, mm-hmm. but it was awful that he was the way he was. Right. But he was a huge, huge, like, proponent not proponent but he was a huge um stepping stone for latinos in media because mm-hmm. he not only was he the star of the show alone well let's face facts lucy was the show yeah but he was uh, the co-star he was there they started their own production you said desi yeah, Lu yeah desi Lu productions Do you yeah. know fun fact they produced star trek they were really? yeah the original star trek series well, wasn't it to it where was like desi Lu production wasn't it like because lucy loved gene roddyberry's um his script and everything she was like on board for it and everything yeah probably i don't know for sure about that but i yeah. know lucy had pull so yeah. she could you know she mm-hmm. she had pull she had power oh yeah but Which bef- is, yeah but before them um there was a lot of latinos had to change their names mm-hmm. like re- there was very few that didn't like rita moreno mm-hmm. rita moreno was the, a g she's a g oh she, on, she, back, she and she's still going strong mm-hmm. yeah dude she is like Without a doubt, like the the Mel Streep, the Angela Bassett, of Boricuas. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You familiar with with Rita Moreno? No, no, nope. no. Um, you ever watched West Side Story? Yes, she was Anita, the, mm. the best Anita. friend. Yeah, uh, you know, okay. I like to live in America. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That she was also in the new West Side Story. Yeah, the remake with uh by uh, uh with um Steven uh, Spielberg. Ju- no, but it was Steven Spielberg remade it, and yeah. she was on One Day at a Time. She was on set on uh, not Sesame Street. She was on uh, the Electric Company. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys with uh with Morgan Freeman. So like, oh, and I think uh and uh, he who and he who should not be named. Right, you know mm-hmm. the guy that liked to put stuff in women's drinks. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? I was actually gonna say there's something that I really like about you know representation in the old days. Like sure, it wasn't mm-hmm. as common or anything like that. But when they did it, they didn't like push it on your face. And don't get me wrong. Like for example, with Disney, like new Disney productions such as the new uh, Star Wars sequels or Black Panther and mm-hmm. everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna sound super ironic for me to say this, considering the fact that I haven't uh, seen Black Panther: Wakanda Forever yet. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's really important to to support movies that show you, you know, uh, stories that don't really uh, evolve on the fact that, you know, hey, uh, these people used to be slaves, so let's make make another movie about slavery and let's make another movie yes. about suffrage exactly. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. how how, yeah. how would it feel for for someone as a person to like every single time you want to go to the movie theater to watch a movie that has people that look like you, mm-hmm. you have to literally relieve years, years and yeah. years of uh, mm-hmm. racial pain because uh, your people used to be slaves or because exactly. your people yeah. used to be like, well, like yeah. yeah like I used to yeah. like I've always told Jay I said my biggest pet peeve is like every time there's a Latino in a movie mm-hmm. he gotta talk like this yeah like back when I was young every Latino had to talk like this and we own chickens yeah I was like mm-hmm. dude we don't own, own fucking chickens you, you know who <laughs> really pissed me off with that shit that I almost like did the whole like you know Elvis Presley shoot the TV thing yep. was um, 
Carlos Mencia oh, when he God. was in that movie, The Heartbreak Kid. Yeah. And he did the most over-the-top Mexican accent. But, and the thing was is that it was completely unnecessary because his, his normal voice is already, I guess, like, But you he's know, not even ethnic. Mexican. Yeah, he's Honduran. He's Honduran. Yeah. He's half Honduran. And half German. His Yeah, his name is like Carl, like Charles something yeah. or other. His, so his it's like name is Mencia. It's like my, a minority <laughs> doing a, car- uh, a caricature of a minority. That's even <laughs> worse. Yeah. It, it's true, because like Jorge was saying, we had enough struggle, we don't need to keep seeing it and reliving it. Yeah. Like, every time, like, everybody thinks everybody's all like blood in, blood out. Hey, Nicholas, what's oh, up, man? Yeah. It's like, dude, or, that's yeah. not our life. Life, bro. Right. We it, have doctors. We have lawyers. It's, 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 I call it misery porn. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's because, like, you know, and especially during Oscar season, oh. they love um, profiting, um, profiting off, like, you know, um, minority suffrage. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was, yeah. a, like, back in the day, there was a lot of actors that didn't fit into that. Like, for example, the very first Joker on television. Cesar Romero was a Latino man and he didn't portray it that way. He didn't portray it over the top. Like he was the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he's a G because he never shaved his mustache. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, oh yeah. Was that was Joker. a, that, that was a total boss move. Like we need you to shave your mustache. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> he goes, that's not, I'm not going to do it, dude. Uh, not not we, we're, we're not requesting and I ain't answering. So fuck off. <laughs> but do you, do you, did you know that he never shaved his mustache? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, really could, close, you could see it. You could see the makeup yeah. over the mustache, and but, but no, sorry, sorry, no, no, sorry. Ahead, but uh, no, I was gonna, I was actually gonna go back to like how representation used to be like back yeah. in the days, mm-hmm. and uh, going back to that, like sure, it's it, I think it's super amazing that you don't have to see like the pain of of uh, generations of like a certain race or anything exactly. like that on cinema any, anymore. But at the same time, I feel like they're trying to push it a little too much on your face. Like when you yeah. see representation back in the days, they just did it and they didn't make a huge deal out exactly. of it. Exactly. But I think it's like. I don't want to crap on Disney, but I think that the way they have been doing it, they're like, oh, look at us. Look how inclusive we are. We're yep. super cool and we're right. super progressive. But if you look at the posters uh, they released in China for the sequel trilogy, yeah. they they minimize the black characters. Yes. And, yep. and and that only goes to, goes on to tell you that Disney's, uh, Disney and big corporations don't really give a no, shit right. about no. being it's inclusive about or anything money, like that. Dude. It's about oh, making yeah, yeah. the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it's, ha- yeah. it's because in, Waka- in like the first Black Panther movie, yeah. they made so much money that and they a lot of the black community started to go out to support it. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, we're going to be even blacker now yeah. in this sequel. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. That somebody in the gym referred to it as Wakanda. Oh, Wakanda. Because, because they saw it and they think that it's very, it's like, it's kind of like I like to use the example of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I'm all about female empowerment. It's great that they have like female superheroes in their own movies and the lead in the movie. But in that movie, they were like pounding it into your head about girl power. Mm-hmm. Women are strong. Women can do this. Women. Oh, like we get it. They even had like that uh, No Doubt song. I'm just a girl. Yeah, I like yeah. to compare like a better example of mm-hmm. women empowerment in movies is Wonder Woman. She showed that she didn't need a man, but she didn't have to scream it. Mm-hmm. Like, And there's, she was just being herself. Yeah. And along the way, you saw that this is a powerful woman that can stand on her own. You didn't have to get it beat upside your see, head with it the see, whole time. See, audiences can sense a gimmick coming, you know, a mile away. You know, yeah. if like when the studios try too hard to push like, you know, diversity or some sort of like, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word agenda because that. No, it's it, agenda. Yeah. It is an but, agenda. But, but you know what I mean. That that yeah. word's been hijacked by like you know exactly. the same oh, people who yeah. use woke as a pejorative. Yeah. But audiences can sense that a mile away. It's like listen, tell their stories, but you don't have to be all like you know 
bells and whistles about it. Yep. Just tell the story. Well, and Jay, Jay, uh, Jay will tell you, I'm very open-minded when it comes to like all that, right? Mm-hmm. But I was sitting there watching Captain Marvel in the theater going, got it. She's a powerful woman. Can we move on? Mm-hmm. Can we just tell and the story? And it's super funny because we actually had a conversation about this exactly a week ago. And I was telling you that Wonder Woman is a perfect example of how you do a feminine empowering movie without shoving it on your face. Because mm-hmm. and I, I, I admire the hell out of Yeti Pankins and Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. I, I actually saw an interview with, with, with them both. And they were saying like, yeah... Uh, when we were making the movie, we didn't really focus on the fact that she was a woman because we wanted to create uh, a symbol for women and children of all ages and exactly. of all colors. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's what it should be all it, about. And it's, yeah. it's, it's the fact that she is a superhero that mm-hmm. happens to be a woman, mm-hmm. not a woman that is a superhero. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's just like Jorge was saying that. Well, going to relate it to the the whole Latino representation, there's a character that's on the head of a show that just happens to be Latino. Mm-hmm. Now we're not like for, I'm. A, I like to use this example because it was one of my favorite shows, George Lopez. I I I know George Lopez. Some people can leave him or take him or leave him. I like him. I like it. I, I like, like him his, too. Like, his show is a, great. Yeah, his show had uh, Latino representation through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not only Mexicans. Everybody go. Oh, everybody was Mexican. No, his wife Angie was supposed to be Cuban. Right. Mm-hmm. And so was her father. Well, and that, and that was like the, that was like one of the um, ongoing themes of the show was like the, um, it was like a culture clash yep. because you had like, you know, the, the, the Mexican dude and like the Cuban woman from like a high end background and everything. Yeah, her father was affluent. He was a doctor. Right. And then George came up from the streets raised by his, pretty much his grandmother. Right. And, it, and it still showed like even in minority like uh, communities, there's still like a civil strife. And everything. There's still a class war. Exactly. But that, and we can live in the middle class as Latinos and not have to be a stereotype. Right. You know, he wasn't a gangbanger that came up the hard way. And now I'm like, he owned his own business. Well, he ran the business. He didn't own it. He had bosses. Oh, I thought he he owned the business. He he was the, he ends up, he goes from the factory from the line to being the manager of it. And his bosses are two brothers that are, you know, dysfunctional. rich guys with alcohol problems so it's like a whole like benson thing where it's like okay i'm the worker but i'm pretty much running the joint because you guys are incompetent exactly and he but the thing is i liked about the show is that he Mm -hmm. grew up the hard way because his mom was kind of a functioning alcoholic who really didn't take care of him yeah but they didn't make him the trope where he grows up to be a gangbanger and all Mm -hmm. this he marries the good looking the good looking yeah. girl in high school they were yeah he, he, becomes, he pulled it he pulled a gomez yeah exactly <laughs> and, and then he he uh he's raising his kids in a suburban area but he's still giving them the influence of his La, uh, his latino background right but they didn't make him a stereotype you know that's mm. another thing that i really love is that mm. you can present latino or black characters without like being all over it like oh look how black i am or how mexican yeah. i am and uh you know uh, I'm, I'm losing. I'm kind of losing my train of thought, but there were like several things that I really wanted to touch on. Like, for example, going a little back to like uh, uh, Namor in being in Black in Wakanda yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. When does it become cultural appropriation, or when does it become appreciation? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I honestly think that there's like a really thin line. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really believe in cultural appropriation. You know, I think that we should all take 
the things that we like the most about every single culture like hey i don't know if i want to uh have a tv in color which is a mexican invasion in my house i can do it mm -hmm. even even if i'm a russian guy or even if i want to have like uh, um if, let's say that my wife wants to wear a, a kimono that i don't think there's anything wrong with that mm -hmm. you know uh, you're right but this yeah. but that's when you're saying is there's a difference between appreciation and rep and appropriation yeah what i think it, it, hurt, it hurts people feel like i'm going to give you an example that when there's white people who get dreads yeah. yeah. The reason why that's to me, in my opinion, not appreciation but appropriation, mm -hmm. is because the story behind dreads it's not a hairstyle for certain black people. Mm -hmm. it, I, mm -hmm. I knew Rastafarians from high school and I knew Rastafarians it, as an adult in New mm -hmm. York. Rastafarian is a religion, it's a culture, it's a belief. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why they get the dreads because the story behind it is you know the story in the Bible of Samson? Mm -hmm. Well, Samson grew his hat, had his hair long, probably mm -hmm. as long as Jorge's. And his power came from his his locks from his hair and that's what the that's what the uh the, the rastafarians believe because they, they believe it in the line of judah mm -hmm. and they believe the strength comes from their hair like samson that's why they grow the dreads so to me that's what's appropriation it's not a hairstyle yeah um i agree with what, what gus said like uh my my outlook on it is similar to his it's basically using somebody's culture as a flex, right. as clout chasing. Yeah. That's when it's appropriation. Yeah, yeah. actually, like, there were. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was to say real quick because I, I I went to school high school in Scottsdale, mm -hmm. so predominantly, you know, shockingly predominantly white and mm -hmm. everything. And shocker, I know, right? And so I've seen a lot of these fucking like Abercrombie and Fitch looking Kyles that will <laughs> act, that will act, try to you know act gangster, that will act black and everything, and it's the whole like it's what um. It's what, what uh, Paul Mooney said, like, you know, and everything. Everybody wants to be a nigga, but nobody wants to be a nigga, mm -hmm. you know? So they're acting like this. They're acting like this culture. They're wearing the, they're, you know, sagging the pants and, and everything and whatnot mm -hmm. just as a flex. Yeah. And like they say, oh, I listen to Tupac or all that and everything. But it's like, okay, you listen, but do you actually know where he's coming yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Malibu's you... most wanted. Right. right. <laughs> it, it, oh my, that's exactly what it is. I went to a, a high school with a bunch of like, what was it? B rad or yeah, B yeah, real? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So it's B, just B trash. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, but no, it's like you know what you said right there and everything. It's like when you taking when you're trying to like wear somebody's culture, but you don't know the background and everything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like for, like let's say for example, there's actually uh, from the Native American culture. I think that there's like earrings that have uh, feathers in them, and they right. represent like it's like a batch of honor for wars or something like that. Okay, that's something that you can't really wear because it has like a symbolic you know meaning to it mm -hmm. or let's say if, if you're taking something from another culture but at the same time you're affecting that specific culture like like so for, for example there was a there was a designer in france who started making like uh clothing designs and she mm -hmm. started selling them but the textiles and the designs were from uh indigenous tribes in mexico and because she started producing them she actually wanted to get like the rights to those designs and for to like own two, them yeah seriously no, 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 and, no, and for like two months uh the indigenous tribe in mexico they weren't able to like use their own designs because that that that, that shake uh, actually uh, that's appropriation as a yeah. motherfucker See, right there. that's appropriation <laughs> yeah. and what you were saying you're right like if a, if, if a native american right if an indigenous excuse me an indigenous mm -hmm. american like you said their mm -hmm. warriors had feathers to represent something in their culture that mm -hmm. there was an honor to them mm -hmm. yeah it has a, you, an emotional meaning exactly. it has like right. some symbolism see to me that's appropriation if yeah. you try to use yeah, that yeah, How, yeah. but appreciation to me on the other hand is mm -hmm. if an indigenous american you know how 
people like to rock the dream catchers. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, an appreciation of their culture. Yeah, or if I see mm-hmm. a guy walking down the street wearing a poncho and a sombrero, I'm just like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so a friend of, a friend of mine, uh, her and her husband, um, you know, they're really appreciative of Japanese culture. Yes. And so um, they actually went to Japan mm-hmm. and, you know, they were able to get like uh, kimonos and everything yeah. fitted to them. Kimono. Kimono, Kimonos, yeah. yeah. Um, Komodo's a lizard. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, however, like you know, they still respected the culture. Mm-hmm. When they got those, when they got those uh, clothing, they didn't wear them just to be like, "Oh my God, I'm Japanese" or anything. Mm-hmm. They wanted um, a uh, what was it called? Like a memento of the travels because, like you know, Japan was like on their bucket list right. for like a long time and everything. Mm-hmm. And I saw them at Matsuri Festival, and they looked awesome in it mm-hmm. and everything. And you could tell that they had, you know, they know the symbolism behind the Komodos and everything. They know about the culture and they're not flashing it. Like, you know, how like white dudes of dreads yeah, and yeah. everything, which I saw a lot in college, by the way. <laughs> well, you went to ASU. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like hipster central. Yeah. But hipster central. Go, going yeah. back to what we were talking about. No, hold on. So, so yeah, actually the reason why I decided to go like that far is because I yeah. wanted to make a point of like, okay, so we have all of that. Sure. Uh, you don't right. have to blush it on your face. And if you wanted to like appreciate another culture, you just do it respectfully and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And whenever it comes to appreciating your own culture, you don't have to like be all over the tub. Like for example, you were talking about uh, George Romero when he played the joker mm-hmm. he did it just he only played the joker he didn't make it to the point in which the he was Mexican a latino joker. Right, right, right. <laughs> it was a latino joker or yeah. anything like mm-hmm. that and that's something that i think we should all learn from like mm-hmm. i think every single person uh should feel proud of their culture exactly but i don't think it should be their presentation card like for example me uh, as a mexican filmmaking one heavy uh I don't let my nationality or my background or whatever decide who, uh, define who I am, you know? Like, I, I'm just a person who happens to be Mexican. But whenever it comes to, like, making movies and stuff like that, I, I, I'm not going to make that from, like, the the, 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 the uh, standpoint of a Mexican guy. I'm just going to exactly. do it from a person who mm-hmm. just happens to be Mexican. Yeah. Just like Akira Kurosawa right. said, I don't like, make Japanese films. I just make mm-hmm. films for human beings because mm-hmm. before I think of myself as, as a Mexican or anything like that, I think mm-hmm. of myself uh, as a human being and as a citizen of the world. So Bingo. even though mm-hmm. I want to like i'm obviously gonna have like some cultural influences in my work i mean mm-hmm. everyone will have that you can't make films right. without having the influence of the society and your family and whatnot of your but, cultural background and exactly, your cultural yeah. background exactly but mm-hmm. once again i'm not gonna like be all over the top about it i'm just gonna do it for but, another human being I, I think that that experience should be as exactly. universal as possible it's like it's your identity it's your identity but not your definition well it's, yes, it's, exactly. it's, it's yeah. using the patty jenkins yeah. scenario she made a strong uh superhero that just happened to be a woman yeah exactly that's it yeah like for example the mandalorian mm-hmm. the mandalorian pedro pascal who's the lead actor in it is latino but is not the mandalorian right yeah. <laughs> mandalorian mm-hmm. right. it's the mandalorian he just happens to be a latino actor yeah. they didn't have to make his character latino yeah and or I, andor he's he's andor not andor An- right. andor mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly or even uh what's his face from uh rogue one he had that Giant, like you know, it, it was the same oh. dude. It was the same dude that plays Andor. No, not, same, no, uh, no, 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 no. He's talking about the guy with the red armor. Oh, uh, okay. the one that was partnered up with Donnie right, Yen. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. His character, he, you know, he's a Latin character, but that wasn't his identity. Exactly. It was that big yeah. ass gun, actually. No, you're right, and that, and that's going back to not only do we need representation, but we need that mm-hmm. diversity. Where I'm going to give you an example that 
like you were saying the trope about people using the character and being that way mm. I like to use the example of Scarface it's like everybody always goes back to Scarface Scarface first of all there was only one Latino in the whole cast secondly it was that's not all we are we're not mm. only just drug dealers you know there's other things that we can be mm. and that's what I, I can appreciate about certain other other things that like Jorge was saying we can be like a Latino actor but we don't have to play the character as a Latino I think it's funny you mentioned Scarface and everything, and because that that leads to another problem with um, with movies and studios trying to promote diversity is that right. they have the wrong people at the helm of mm-hmm. trying to promote diversity. Um, the reason why Black Panther did so well is because the writer director was a black man. Mm-hmm. A lot of the like you know well done eth- um, ethically central like movies and works and everything right. are helmed by you know. By the people that they're people uh, representing, who understand the background, right? Like, right. For, like you again, going back to Patty Jenkins, she's mm-hmm. a woman who's writing, a, who wrote and directed a strong female lead, mm-hmm. right? You know, if it would have been a man directing that movie, it would have been like Captain Marvel, which I think it was directed by a man. Where it's like, oh, I'm a woman, I'm a strong woman, I'm a woman, I'm a strong woman, I'm a strong woman, I don't need no man, it's right? Like, okay, got it. Cool, yeah, right. But, you need, yeah, you need like you know, we need like more diversity, st- you know, in story, you know, storytellers right. and everything. Yeah. Because like a lot of like you know the stereotypical characters and everything, it's mostly because like you're the helmed by like you know white yeah. creators. I'll give you an example. When yeah. I was growing up, there was a show called Chico and the Man. Chico and the Man was about a Puerto Rican immigrant, Freddie Prince Senior, Freddie yeah. Prince, who was working for uh, a white uh, garage owner. But it was written by Norman Lear, I think, I believe. So it's written by a Jewish guy yeah. to play a Puerto to uh, write a Puerto Rican character played by a, a half Jewish guy, right? Because Freddie Prince was half Jewish. He was Puerto Rican and Jewish. He, uh, he's a Porter Jew, like we like mm-hmm. to call him. So, uh, th- so you got this guy who's who is not just a Puerto Rican. He's an American, like you were saying. He's a person. So he's playing the stereotype over the top Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, the typical that used to be. I grew up. Not having any Latino heroes in movies, they were all either gangbangers or um, drug dealers or criminals or talking like this and mm-hmm. having the chicken and working in the garage. Mm-hmm. The that's Mexican all- Wolverine, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what we. That's all I had. Like Freddie Prince, who was an American, born in America, to a ha- you know one Puerto Rican parent. But when he did Chico on the Man, he was mm-hmm. looking good. good. That was that his- whole catchphrase and everything. Yeah, yeah. and then. For example, from Sanford and Son. Again, he had a Hector. Of course, his name was Hector, who was his next door neighbor. And Hector always had the chickens out. And he thought like this, and I work about that, but that. And that's how we were always portrayed. And I never had like a hero growing up that I could look up to and say, "Yo, the only one." And he wasn't really uh, Eric Estrada, yeah. and he didn't even really play a Mexican on he TV. He was playing an Italian, Frank Poncherello. Right. So I don't even know if he was supposed to be Mexican or not, but yeah. I do feel that because, you know, being half black and half Latino, like no representation at all, barely any representation at all on both sides of my ethnicities. You had Hawk. Hawk, like From a man Spencer called, for hire. Yeah, the sidekick. <laughs> the only time fucking uh, Robert Urich called Hawk was because he he was in trouble. It wasn't like, hey, Hawk, you want to go hang out and have a beer? Hey, but then he he got to become a Starfleet commander. That's true. Yeah, that is true. He was he was also Starfleet commander. But you know Starfleet the thing commander? is, yeah. yeah. But uh, the thing is, is that you know. There, it was like a really like you know tough time trying to find like any heroes that look like me. And same right. thing where you said like you know to find any heroes that look like you. And even if they were 
if they were there, they were the sidekicks or they were stereotypes. And you know what the fucked up part about this is that those stereotypes are st- uh, started to affect Middle America on how those they perceived us, how they, no, they perceived exactly. us, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. What, what your generation, Jorge, you mm-hmm. you guys have kind of the opposite, mm-hmm. where we are starting to get more representation, mm-hmm. but they're beating you upside the head with it. Yeah. You know, where it's I think it's a disadvantage to you guys too. Yeah. Well, for me, honestly, I never really thought about those things when I was growing up. Like I said, I, I saw a movie and it didn't really matter where the guy was from. If I could relate to something, I was just like, that's me. Yeah, uh, just like no, like uh, five years old, I mm-hmm. was like, like watching Batman Begins, and I was just like, "Oh, that guy has depression, and he has black hair. <laughs> that, that's me. Like, yeah. what, what am I seeing?" But uh, honestly, since I started studying uh, filmmaking and all that, I went back uh, studying film in general, like the beginnings of it. Right. And it's really sad that you know uh, the advance of film also goes hand to hand to mm-hmm. racism in america like oh, for absolutely. example yeah and it, it was really heartbreaking yeah. uh, for me to like realize that black people mm-hmm. especially black people even more so than latinos have had it worse mm-hmm. in in terms of representation mm-hmm. and you know absolutely. how they were portrayed yeah. like for example uh, uh birth of a nation directed by oh, dw griffith oh, from 1915 <laughs> yeah. like that literally that yeah. re- was the catalyst for the rebirth of the kkk yeah and then mm-hmm. after that you 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 had like uh, stories about uh, you know black people being marginalized and slave stories and yep. stories where they portray they were portrayed as uh, beasts or mm-hmm. you know unintelligent people and stuff like that. And the so fu- the fucked up part is that the most of the time they were played by white people. Yeah, yep. or actually, yeah. I, I, and actually, I think that one of the worst parts of uh, cinema history is that the fact that they also had black actors doing blackface. Yeah. D- yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's, it's going back to the whole Carlos Mencia and the Heartbreak Kid thing. Yeah, yeah. But the history of film is been has been awful that way. You're yeah. right. And what I want to do is we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, well, what I want to talk about is like the how the Latinos have like had to control their own narrative as far as like movies and culture go and, and media. We're gonna be right back. Hey guys, this is Junior from Make It a Combo. Thanks for listening to the Minority Report. But don't forget to listen to our podcast, Make It a Combo, where we review movies, talk shit, and have a good time. And our other podcast, MIS Slut, hosted by Andrea, where she reads them sexy stories from her listeners. Hey, and we're back. So we've been talking about Latinos in media and all the cultural background. What I was talking about before we went on break is they had to control their own narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you being a Gen Zer, and it's, like I said, I'm not holding it against you. I, I could, I honestly, <laughs> I admire Gen Z because one, I have two of them. Well, mm-hmm. I don't own them; they're my children. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, thanks going, for the disclaimer, by the way. <laughs> going, going back to the 1930s, are we? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, so, that's appropriation. That's our shit. All right, you leave that to us. That's <laughs> only half. Because you you're gonna get yeah, canceled. Still, I can still, can, I can still claim that more than you. <laughs> I can smell it. You're gonna get canceled, dude. Breaking yeah. news. <laughs> no, so as a Gen Xer. Like I, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, uh, "Boomers are always complaining about Gen Z. Why are they so disrespectful? Why are they so this?" I said, "Because they weren't raised by Gen Xers, mm-hmm. and you gave us enough shit and enough trauma. They were like, oh, 'Oh, we're gonna raise our kids to fuck with you.' Oh, and it also <laughs> doesn't help that you keep talking shit about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you, um, you were fortunate enough to grow up in the era of like a Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. where Robert Rodriguez. I know Jay is in a future fan of him. No, you, you, you I'm a talk fan some of stuff of his. No, I didn't. But anyway." But going to, he grew up. You grew up in a time where somebody like him, mm-hmm. he was able to write, direct, 
and produce his own movies. If you look at his first, I think, three movies, his credits are just him. Mm-hmm. He's writer, director, producer, editor, sound well, music. It's all well, just him. Well, he's like known. He's like the one man film crew and right. everything. Yeah. His very first movie, El Mariachi, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've watched. All right. You. Oh, we need to correct that. Yeah, we need I know. to correct that. <laughs> El Mariachi he made on seven thousand dollars that he made by being a experiment. So he went into a clinic and they let him. That he let them experiment on him, giving him drugs. Here, try this. See what happens to you. <laughs> serious? No, I'm serious. If you read his book, it's called Rebel Without a Crew. Mm-hmm. He tells you the whole backstory of how he made El Mariachi. Mm-hmm. Like some of the, um, you know how the trolleys they have when they're shooting a, a film, like when they're sh- following a character? Yeah. He shot that in a wheelchair. He sat in a wheelchair and somebody was pushing him while he's running after the yeah, character. Yeah, I've actually heard about that one because yeah. uh, El Mariachi was one of the first uh, independent productions of the, to, come, to come out of the 90s. Yeah. So it was really innovative how he was able to do like a lot of things with a super really low budget. Like he didn't even dude, have dollars yeah. or anything. Seven thousand like dollars. That's all he had. He had one mm-hmm. camera and he did what's called he he calls it in camera editing. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of film. So he couldn't like just shoot and shoot and shoot and have a lot of takes. Mm-hmm. So what he would do is he uh, he would shoot. He would like if I'm shooting straight at you, mm-hmm. I would yell cut and then I just move the camera and shoot again and cut and he would do it's called in-camera editing so mm-hmm. he already knew in his head well he had no storyboards it was all yeah. in his head how he wanted to shoot it yeah. and my favorite story of it is he he built his own squibs he made his own squibs from condoms uh corn syrup and a car battery and he says the story mm-hmm. was he he when he first put one on he tested it on himself first before he would put it on the actors mm-hmm. and he put it the wrong way so when they sparked it and it shot, it went into him instead of back out. So he had like these big bruises because he, he put it on backwards. See, one of the, one of the things I've always admired about uh, Robert Rodriguez is that he is like the he didn't go to film school. He went to the I'm gonna do it myself school of film and yeah, everything. No, exactly. And I've always admired directors like that where yeah. they're self taught and everything yeah. because like it, you know you don't have to go to a fancy like you know film no. school or anything all you have to do is just get a camera and some passion well and don't and, get me wrong i i admire people who go to school too right right, right. not taking that from them however mm-hmm. it's just like you know it shows that there's not just one way right yeah there's exactly multiple that's pathways, why i really yeah. admire uh quentin right. tarantino or christopher exactly. nolan actually, right, right, right. Who, actually christopher nolan is uh the main reason right. why i want to become a director two right. of the greatest directors of the 90s robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino neither one of them went to film school yeah, yeah. Exactly. Quentin tarantino was a video store clerk yeah mm-hmm. uh, and uh and Christopher Nolan also he didn't Tim Burton also didn't mm-hmm. he he uh, I think Eraserhead was the first movie he did and he had shot that in high school or yeah. something like that and then yeah, something just, like that yeah he just became a director so and um, but the reason the major Wait, or was re- Eraserhead Chris Nolan I'm con- no it was it was Tim Burton no no, no it was um what's his Tim face? Burton Eraserhead yeah no it was uh what's his face um Cronenberg David oh. Cronenberg. No. It wasn't Burton, though. But you were going to say, yeah. I'll look at what so, you're talking about. Uh, but, uh, but basically, what I loved about um, Rodriguez was that he represented for the community. Mm-hmm. Not just with his stories, but with his casting. Mm-hmm. Like, Sama Hayek is a big star because he, in, in, um, in America, I mean. Mm-hmm. She was really well known in uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. but he was able to make her into a global star. Mm-hmm. Because he saw her on a... Um, telenovela. A, a Telemundo, like a... Telenovela. Inter- a tele- no, no, no. no, no. He was, was a, on a Right, but also she... Uh, the you know he, uh, he saw her on a talk show, and she was a, a Mexican talk show, and she was criticizing how you know 
um, the American film industry would like you know not give like true representation to like you know uh, Mexican or Latino actors and everything and he was so impressed by her you know to use like an old school term her moxie like her drive that he casted her in Desperado. Yeah, that was the only reason why. Wink. Oh come on, don't Wink. don't take don't take that away. Don't be that dude, bro. Don't be that guy. Yeah, that was the only reason oh, why. See, this, see, I was going on a good story, no, and say, then you just shat on it. I didn't say that was one. I, was, I didn't say that was the only reason why. I just right. said that was one of the reasons why. One of the, anyway, one of the, anyway, don't, but, don't encourage this. By the way, but, by the way yeah, no, no, no. I was gonna say don't encourage this behavior at kids' home. Yeah. <laughs> at home, kids. <laughs> by the way, it was David Lynch. Eraserhead. Okay, I know it was a David, but it was sure as fuck wasn't Burton. No, no. But anyway, but but not just with Sama Hayek, but also with Antonio Banderas, with uh, Danny Trejo. Uh, Damien- I would say that that made Antonio Banderas's American career, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he was only a Spanish actor before. That. Right, right. But like uh, you know, before that, he was you know Tom Hanks's boyfriend in Philadelphia. Before that, he was in Madonna's Truth or Dare. Right. So it was like these small roles. Desperado is what made him into like leading man status well fun fact in in madonna's truth or dare was actually a documentary following her around mm-hmm. and she met him in spain and he was with his wife at the time and madonna was thirsty for him bro, oh snap while he was married anyway Me and but Mrs. Jones. Right, like yeah. going back to robert rodriguez he mm-hmm. did do all that you mm-hmm. know he made danny trejo's career yeah danny trejo was in small parts before that he was mm-hmm. in runaway train mm-hmm. with uh robert eric Duval, roberts eric roberts and yeah. robert duvall yeah but he but yeah he decided that Oh, another great movie that you said, Selma Hayek, that's by Robert, Robert Rodriguez. It's very, very little known movie. It's called Zebrahead. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Zebra. Zebrahead. It's with, uh, with Selma Hayek. And I think, I think, I want to say Michael Rappaport, but I'm not sure. You can look that up while, I, mm-hmm. while I'm talking. But I think that he has a, a great eye. He And the thing is, he's like kind of a, uh, Maiki, was it? Um uh, Takashi Mikai from Japan. Oh, Takashi Mikai. Mike, he doesn't hold himself to one genre. Right. Like Robert Rodriguez does action movies. Mm-hmm. He did kids movies. Yeah, Spy, Spy Kids. Yeah. Shark Boy I actually and Lava grew Girl. up on those movies. Yeah. Right. Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Which, you know, by the way, his kids movies did help like, you know, um, show like, you know, young Latin, uh, you know, kids and everything. Yeah. That kids their age can be heroes because like, you know, one of the main characters was um, Alexa Vega. Yep. You know, and... um but uh, yeah, so he was pretty much like inspiring like generation after generation. Right. And you know, do you know that, that that movie Sharp Point Lava Girl was inspired by his daughter? I mean, his son. His no. son. Yeah. Uh, was it ra- son, was it racer or writer or something like that? It yeah. was. It was. He uh, wrote a story in school about mm-hmm. Shark Boy and Lava Girl, mm-hmm. and Robert Rodriguez made it into a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But a, a, an example of not a Latino, but a, of a person writing something of a cultural background that is not theirs, but they did a great job, in mm-hmm. my opinion. D- Django. Yes. Jan- oh, Django. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, Django. Mm-hmm. You have one of the whitest white of white director writers mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. and he, ma- he made a great black hero absolutely yeah. and you know what what I loved about that movie that it was it took place in the wild west during slavery times and everything but it wasn't just another oh the main character is a slave and he has to escape to the north and everything yeah. he was a hero he was a cowboy he was, he was yeah. fucking busting caps he was <laughs> yeah. shooting slave owners you know, I was like finally because like because <laughs> all the you know be you know you know half black and everything I have always hated like those slave movies because again like they keep profiting off like you know yeah uh, for like you know well, Rachel Rachel was saying the yeah. struggle the struggle yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah how about how about instead of like okay we know about the struggle how about the victory yep how about yeah, we start exactly. seeing that and everything yeah. so 
though, like, just the, like I was yeah. saying earlier, like, how would you feel if every single time you want to watch a movie you have about someone who looks like you, you have to relieve years of racial exactly. pain? Exactly. See, that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's why I'm fucking pissed off that they're gonna make a, an Emmett Till movie. Oh, like God. you know the story about Emmett Till. Yeah. Yep. Um, we've seen that before. We get it. We, we know get it. it. Yep. I don't want to see it again. There yeah. was, but. In Django, which is funny because when Django came out, there were two people that it was Spike Lee and I can't remember who it was at the time, at the moment, but they were both outraged that Quentin Tarantino made a movie that so many people are dropping the N word in it. I was like, no, they're mad because he created a better black hero than they ever did. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's because he did it with a lot of love and respect. I mean, right. Quentin Tarantino has always said that he's in love with the black exploitation genre right. and the and the westerns. Exactly, but he also like you were saying, he goes back into the background and makes sure he knows about it before he does something yeah, about yeah, it exactly. like well, it was an observation i made while watching django mm-hmm. he's the only mm-hmm. like because quentin tarantino is in the movie mm-hmm. his character is the only white male character that doesn't say the n-word in the movie mm-hmm. he calls everybody blackie mm-hmm. yeah. if you watch it because he's supposed to be australian yeah. he's the only one of all the white male characters in it that doesn't use the n-word well yeah. besides uh schultz what's his name uh uh, uh, Christoph the, Waltz. Yeah, Christoph yeah. Waltz, yeah. Christoph, Christoph Waltz. Waltz. My favorite, you know what's my favorite line in that movie? Mm. He goes, he goes, uh, are, what is it? Are you sure? Not are you sure. Um, uh, are you positive that that's him? He goes, I don't know. You don't know if you're positive? No, I don't know what positive <laughs> means. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Scene. He goes, I don't know. What po- I po- I'm po- Dude, I'm, I love Christopher I'm, Waltz in that he movie. He goes, I'm positive he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no. but going back to what we were saying, you, you know, you had the fortunate opportunity to grow up in a time mm-hmm. where you have representation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the most, it's not the greatest, mm-hmm. but we but, had almost zero back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and when you had it, it was a negative representation. Exactly. Where again, going back to a Robert Rodriguez, his whole cast in Desperado was Mexican. Mm-hmm. Let's face facts. Mm-hmm. I, I think the only one that wasn't Mexican is the is uh, Bucho, mm-hmm. uh, the actor. I mean, was or maybe mm-hmm. he is. I'm not sure, but the actor who played Bucho is kind of the whitest dude in the whole movie if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And he showed that representation but he didn't make them stereotypes Mm -hmm. why because it took place in mexico he can't really make a stereotypical mexican when you're in mexico it's like everybody's mexican Mm -hmm. (laughs) my biggest issue with a lot of like american movies though they have portrayed latino characters and it could be in mexico where everybody's mexican but everybody's speaking english Mm -hmm. you know it's like wait just like movies where they take place in germany where all the characters are german Mm -hmm. but they're only speaking English with a German accent. Yeah, like Valkyrie. It's like, like wouldn't they all just be speaking? <laughs> you, know, you know, that that's actually something that uh, kind of bothered me about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is because mm-hmm. uh, that Pinocchio movie is the third installment of a trilogy Guillermo del Toro wanted to do about... Uh, it's like a thematic trilogy of war and childhood and all those sort of things. Right. Uh, but the two other movies within that trilogy are mm-hmm. The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. And Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro had to push for, uh, for the studio to make those movies in Spanish oh, yeah. because uh, yeah. th- those movies were set in Spain. Exactly. And now Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is set in Italy, but the movie, unfortunately, it's in, it's English. in English. And I really yeah, wish that... Yeah, yeah, I think it only would have been... Uh, honestly, I think it would have been fair if the movie mm-hmm. was in Italian, even though it was in English with Italian accents. But I, I mm-hmm. totally get it because the other two productions were a little more independent. Right. And now this Pinocchio movie is, you know, by Netflix, which is one of the biggest uh, streaming services in the world. So I'm totally sure Del Toro fought for it. But it just 
still kind of bothers me. It's not a big thing, but right. it still kind of bothers me that it's not in Italian. I think, it, as I said, I think it would have only been fair for it to be in Italian. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. See, he's the next person I wanted to bring up, Guillermo del Toro. The guy, he is... He's Mexican, but his movies, uh, like his first two big movies, well, I say big, where he became, he got his name from was La Espina del Diablo, The Devil's Backbone, and then it was Pan's Labyrinth, which were both set in Spain. So you're right. They, they have to speak Spanish. He has other movies that are awesome that very few people know about. The Orphanage. Orphan- no, that was actually by... Uh, was it? I, I yeah, thought it was uh, his. No, uh, he produced it, but it was by J.B. Uh, 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 Joanna or something like that. But, it's a see, guy from Spain, yeah. But see, that's where I got confused because he produced it. Yeah, he produced it. it. Yeah. But, but then when he made his huge American debut, for, to me, I don't know if he did movies before that, Hellboy. Yeah, no, he made an American film before Mimic. Yeah, Blade 2 Mimic. as well. Mimic. Yeah, but Blade 2. Yeah. Blade 2 out of the trilogy is the best one. It is. Yeah. It is. What's, you know, because like it was in his wheelhouse of like horror creatures and all that. Right. But what made that movie great, in my opinion, was like the diversity because you have a black main characters, a black superhero, but you also have like characters from like different ethnic backgrounds. Like you got Lenore uh, Varela, um, who is, I believe she is um, uh, Chilean. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen, Norman Reedus, uh, Thomas Kreshman, um, the Luke, dude, the dude from Fast and Furious. I can't right, remember his uh, name. Uh, Matt uh, Matt Scholze, who yeah. is actually, um, he's actually, I believe he's a part uh, Latino as well. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, that, yeah, he did have a diverse cast, and he he created all these. What what I love about him is he creates all these fantastic creatures, mm-hmm. like that. I don't know where they come from in his imagination, but they're amazing. Like, have you seen his remake of uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. Have yeah, you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but he yet. didn't direct it. He was, he was also the producer. I didn't direct it. I would, no, see, he produced I'm old, it. <laughs> but it's because it has the same vibe. Yeah. A lot of the people he surrounds himself with have the same vibe mm-hmm. as him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's for sure. Like uh, Mama. Mama he produced. Oh, and it was, was, it was yeah. by a brother by and sister. Muschetti, yeah. yeah. That was an amazing movie too. Yeah. But going back to him, like Pan's Labyrinth to me, Sammy Hain is one of her favorite movies. She loves Guillermo del Toro. Anything that he does or pr- he directs, writes, produces, she's going to watch. Because visually, Pan's Labyrinth is amazing. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're there. And then his creatures that he creates are just like terrifying. There's something out of a child's nightmares because that's what it's supposed to be. Yes. You know, like the, the dude that has no eyes. Yeah, the his, pale man. Yeah, the pale man. That is one of the most horrifying creatures I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even the uh, Pan himself. The, the fun, yeah. The fun. You think that he's supposed to be kind of the good guy that's kind of like helping her yeah. turns out that he's probably one of the worst ones of all mm-hmm. yeah. you know? and it's just a terrifying look at that mm-hmm. like at that and you're right it's kind of like his trilogy of of a childhood and war and yeah. war you know where mm-hmm. a child's affected by war mm-hmm. yeah know? yeah and it's the same yeah. thing with the pinocchio movie <laughs> mm-hmm. i actually uh watched it about a month ago for right. one of the early screens and last night i ended up convincing my mom to watch it even though mm-hmm. she doesn't like your Toro movies mm-hmm. uh, really yeah she doesn't oh wow <laughs> But uh, it's an amazing film. Uh, and what I like about Guillermo del Toro is that he, I think he's a perfect example of someone who's obviously influenced by his culture and by the world he lives in. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't like 
he doesn't do it over the top. Like, of course, you, you, just by looking at the designs of his creatures and just by looking at uh, the, the themes and aspects of life he decides to talk about, you can obviously see that he's been influenced by his culture, but he does he, he does it in a way that is not like, oh, yeah, I did this because it's a Mexican thing. No, he does, he does it in a, in a, in a very, in a very uh, universal uh, right, thing. Which is, it's, which it's, is, it's organic. Yeah, right, it's yeah. organic. Yeah. And it, it, talks, it can talk to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're watching this from Japan or, exactly. or Germany. You can... <laughs> everyone can relate to that and everybody like pigeonholes him to like say oh his horror it's not really horror you know i mean he directed hellboy one and two and they were great and the thing is he doesn't it's not a horror i think it's you're right like it's it's delving into the inner psyche of a person and it has nothing to do with his cultural background Mm -hmm. he has influences in it you're Mm -hmm. right from the movies i've seen of him maybe you've seen something different none of them Take place in Mexico, mm-hmm. except for Kronos, of yeah. course. Kronos, right? And that's the only one. Is that the one with John Leguizamo? I think so. Because yeah. I thought that was in Colombia, but I might be wrong. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, he he doesn't make it his all. Yeah. Because I yeah. I'm a director that right. happens to be Mexican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Mexican director. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's what I was telling you. Like, mm-hmm. As a filmmaker, one of you, I want to be the same way. Like, I don't want my nationality to be my presentation card. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know who makes a great uh, comment about that? Mm-hmm. And he's a comedian, Gabriel Iglesias. Mm-hmm. Oh, I he know go, that guy. He, Gabriel Iglesias said that everywhere I get booked, they say, "Oh, the Mexican comedian." They introduce me as the Mexican comedian. Mm-hmm. He goes. I went to the Middle East to do a show for the military and they took me all the way. Well, not for the military. He was for a Middle Eastern prince. And he goes there. He does this big show in front of all these thousands of people. And they go, now here from America, Gabriel Iglesias. He goes, I had to go to the Middle East <laughs> 20,000 miles away to finally be called a right. American comedian. Because before that, he was always a Mexican-American. He's like, I'm an American that just happens to be from Mexican heritage. I'm not a Mexican-American. And yeah. that, that's kind of to your point. Yeah. I have influences in my background because I happen to be from a Mexican. Well, I feel like for me, I'm, I've happened to be from Puerto Rican heritage. Mm-hmm. But I'm not just a Puerto Rican yeah you know before and anything else you're just a human being exactly mm-hmm. and a lot of the Latino directors and writers that have they haven't tried to beat people upside the head with the fact that they're Latino you know like like again going back to Guillermo del Toro there's nowhere in his movies that it puts an emphasis on being Spanish or being Mexican mm-hmm. he tells the story mm-hmm. you know and he just happens to be a Mexican director and his influences to other people it can be seen in like he has a show, a show on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. Cabinet of Curiosities. Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, Sammy Hayne and I binged that whole thing because again, I told you she he can make a commercial. She'll watch it, and uh, it was amazing because every episode is by a different director, different writer, mm-hmm. but it's in kind of a stylized version of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I dug the whole thing, the whole series. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a bad episode. You know, and I just think that we as Latinos have. Shown, we've brought a lot of um, what I want to say influence to American culture, mm-hmm. but they don't. I don't want to say they don't give us credit for it, but they use it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. hell, oh yeah. I mean, come on, Taco Tuesday. Where the hell they get tacos from? <laughs> <laughs> and goddamn it, they're not a wrap. It's mm-hmm. a goddamn burrito. <laughs> when this just become a wrap, right. it's inside a tortilla and it's a full meal. That shit is a burrito. <laughs> 
But, but what I'm saying is our influencers are everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And But the thing is that people don't realize it because mm-hmm. we're not sitting there beating our chest about it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the simple fact of the matter is, all right, we influence that. Cool. Salsa dancing is Puerto Rican as fuck. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. Dude, they have competitions of it. Mm-hmm. And But it's but what, what Jorge was saying is right. We don't have to pound our chest about it. We don't have to say, oh, that's ours. Mm-hmm. But we want it to be known the background of it if you're going to do something or if you're going to be take part of something know the background mm. know where it comes from yeah, and a lot exactly. of people don't yeah. a lot of people don't yeah we were saying let's let's finish up talking about movies but there is like jay you were talking about influence in music yeah where there's a latino influence in music the whole reggaeton thing mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of but whatever you know we are in everything like you're metal you're into metal here. Yeah, there's classical lo- music there's a lot of spanish metal heads mm-hmm. i mean and there's a lot of spanish metal bands yes and we, so we have that influence in everything dude mm-hmm. and you were talking about some stats before jay that you wanted to talk about yeah so these are honestly really surprising stats like um like for example Although Latinos account for nearly like 19% of the population up from like a 50% in 2010. In the U.S. In the U.S. A study um, found Latinos represent only 12% of the media workforce compared to 18% of the total workforce. Furthermore, Latinos account for even lower 4% of media management positions. And that accounts (laughs) for like why there isn't many much representation. Le- representation and whatever it is represented is kind of whitewashed for lack of a better term exactly and um also seven percent of the workers in the media are latino and only three percent are latina and that includes like a talent front in the, in front of the camera or behind the camera yeah. and we and, don't want to offend anybody is latino latina latinx whichever right. one you want to use right you know? Um, and a new report that from twenty from twenty ten to twenty nineteen, the percentage of media workers who are Latino or or Latina grew only by get this only by one <laughs> percent compared to three percent rise for Latinos in other fields. And a report found that most Hispanics in media are either service and craft workers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we, sh- could, we could feed them. We just can't be in their movies. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's just like, every, okay, I am a Puerto Rican. I am from New York. Please don't tell me about J-Lo. I don't want to hear shit about J-Lo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> because it seems like that's the only one they know. Uh, oh, I love J-Lo. I don't care. <laughs> but what that's outstanding to, to hear that. I mean, it's overwhelming to hear that because it's like the simple fact is, it seems like the only way Latinos get representation is it by other Latinos. Yeah. Like if you have a Guillermo de Toro or you have a Robert Rodriguez. So we got to take control of our own shit in order for us to be able to to uh, to be represented. And that's like in, in Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. Wakanda Forever, the majority of the crew was either Latino or black. Yep. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make sure that not only was the culture represented on a on like screen, right. but they wanted to make sure that they got the best like you know um, people to help like you know ed, um, be advisors for that culture. Right. Yeah, actually, yeah. they had a bunch of like Mayan advisors and stuff like that. They did, yes. And I think yeah. I, I think in, in in situations like that, when you need advisors and stuff like that, that you yeah. know are obviously talented, mm-hmm. it's good that you hire like minorities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But another thing that I've been noticing is a little trend mm-hmm. of just hiring minorities for the sake of hiring minorities. Yeah, and you call, uh, yeah. and you have like really mediocre products just mm-hmm. because. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you don't hire people for their talents and. Yeah. 
it's pretty much like the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I forgot which show specifically, but it was about a, a female protagonist. And when the show was first announced, they said like, yeah, we're going to be like super cool and mm -hmm. we're going to hire uh, only women to do this project. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, it makes sense that you would want to hire a woman to tell a story about a woman. Mm -hmm. it, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. But why don't you focus a little more on talent and actual right. ideas of of you know what you're going to bring to the table exactly. instead of like focusing it, on what's inside each other's pants right know? and it, that's i yeah. think that's i think what happened with the first black panther movie mm -hmm. they did hire like behind the camera pretty much an all black crew mm -hmm. however they were very talented writers and directors brian coogler is an amazing he, exactly. oh he's amazing yeah the Honestly, my favorite black director, uh, Antoine Fakwa. Mm -hmm. Antoine Fuqua? Fuqua. Yeah. Fuqua. Fuqua. Yeah. Antoine Fakia. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's my favorite black director. He's mm -hmm. just amazing. Yeah. Anyway. But no, and that's why they did it. And mm -hmm. you're right. On on the uh, Wakanda Forever, they brought in some Mesoamericans who still keep the language. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why the characters speak you know, in native languages because they were able to have that. And I think the lead actor actually speaks it fluently. Like he already did before. Yeah. Well, the guy who, who plays... Uh, Namor. Namor, really? yeah. Yeah. Because, hmm, I, I mean, if you look at him, dude, Nate looks indigenous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't mistake him for that. Right. <laughs> which, it, which is funny because, not funny, but it's kind of sad because there's, like I was saying, there's Caucasian mm -hmm. Mexicans that were given him shit because they say that he's too dark oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, I i saw that uh and actually that, that's something I, I wanted to talk about uh and by the way they call those guys uh white chickens uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> dude don't get me wrong i've been called a white chicken too but for different reasons <laughs> uh, in puerto rico we call them cocos, cocos right. oh, yeah. <laughs> but no i was actually gonna mention the fact that I don't know if you guys have noticed that, of course, uh, black people can be racist towards other black people. Or other mm -hmm. Yeah, or other <laughs> Latinos can be extremely racist towards other Latinos. And mm -hmm. another trend that I've been noticing lately, and it really mm -hmm. makes me sad, is that now that we are starting to, like, as, as Latinos and minorities, we're starting to get more control over the type of stories that get told and how those stories get told. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been noticing the trend of also like white discrimination, like almost as a type of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know yeah. if you guys noticed that in the, in the uh, I haven't seen it, but I saw some clips and I was like, I was just like, oh, that's wrong. But mm -hmm. the, in the new uh, Thundercats uh, cartoon, mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't watched that. I didn't know there was a new one. Yeah, no. uh, it's really crappy. The, mm -hmm. uh, the animation okay, style is really crappy. All right, uh, but uh, all of the uh, voice actors are like minorities, and the only character voiced by a white actor, mm -hmm. he's portrayed as the stupidest son of a bitch on earth. <laughs> wow. And it, it okay. seems like yeah. almost like it was a sort Incompetent. of revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that's so fucking wrong well like, that's kind of like in the black panther movie the one agent dude that like their their homie he kind of comes off a little bumbling like, uh, he's actually uh, a lot in the, he's in actually one? Uh, in uh everett well like, he was in the first one too yeah everett ross, oh, uh, everett, everett, ross. everett ross yeah he's actually a lot treated a lot more with dignity than he was in the comics really because in the comics he was like a bumbling like frady cat and everything in this one like you know yeah he is like the you know the stiff like yeah. uptight type of guy but however like they give him a lot more depth Right. And everything, so and, yeah, and you're right in saying that because a lot of times what happens is it almost seems like revenge instead of writing just the characters to be who they are, mm -hmm. they it's kind of like, oh, well, we need a villain, I know, let's make white a white guy, guy. Yeah. right? right, right. <laughs> it's like in uh, was it Undercover Brother, right? The man, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just create the characters and just let them be them? That's another thing I appreciate about, like, say, a Robert Rodriguez in mm -hmm. his earlier movies, mm -hmm. Desperado, everybody was 
Spanish. Mm-hmm. Even the villain, mm-hmm. Bucho, because spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, screw you. <laughs> Bucho's his brother. Yeah. It turns out to be his brother. Mm-hmm. But th- and that's what I'm saying is, yeah, just write the characters, tell your story, and don't make it about, oh, I'm a Mexican so-and-so. I'm a Puerto Rican so-and-so. No, I'm a so-and-so that just happens to be mm-hmm. Puerto it's Rican. It's a human yeah. being. It yeah. just <laughs> happens to be this. Exactly. Right, right. You know, I'm I'm just, I just, I'm a kick-ass supervillain, I mean superhero. I just happen to be XYZ. That's why people go, oh, how come there's no Latino superheroes? Yeah, right. There isn't. How about we just make a superhero that happens to be Latino and, and accept it? Just, and, but my thing is create new ones. Like I think, and like Jorge was saying, you don't change something just to make it fit a narrative. Like when they made Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern gay, when they, when they made a wonder, uh, a Brazilian wonder woman, don't do that. Just create a character and make them of that cultural background, yeah. but don't make it their whole identity. Yeah. Yeah. You know? or, or sometimes I, I honestly think that sometimes it's okay. Uh, as long as you don't make a, a, a huge deal out of it, like for example, uh, Commissioner James Gordon in the Batman, right? Uh, they, they, of, of course, they changed his race, but he didn't really affect him. He was just nah. the same guy. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't say, "Oh, look, Commissioner Gordon's black." Isn't that weird? No, he just happens to be like we were talking about it. And I'm gonna end with this. We were talking about the now that you brought up Batman, the Tim Burton Batman's with some people like, "Oh, he never cast black people." Uh, Billy D. Williams is black, and he was in Batman. But he, uh, that wasn't directed by uh, yes, it was. Tim Burton. No, it was directed by Tim Burton, but however, Batman? it wasn't yes, it his was. original work, though. No, no, but he, right, but he did Batman and Batman Forever. He, no, Batman and Batman Returns. Yeah, Batman ba- Returns, sorry. Yeah, yeah all the other two were by and, uh, Joe Schumacher. And yeah. Billy D. Williams was in both of those yeah. as Harvey Dent. When somebody else took it over, all of a sudden, Harvey Dent's Tommy Lee Jones. So, oh, they, yeah, you're they, right. They, they, smithers, right. Yeah. they smithers Tim. Tim Burton <laughs> did the first two. And Harvey Dent was Billy D. Williams. I and didn't the, realize that Harvey Dent was in the first two Batman films. Sure, it was yeah. Billy D. Williams. It was a very short role, though. It so. was very short, but the yeah. point is that he was in it. Mm-hmm. and he. But then uh, nobody cares about that. But then when all of a sudden, he, oh, Tim Burton never cast black people, and they're always villains. Oh, and actually, I, w- I was going to comment on that when mm-hmm. we started talking about it at the beginning, is that I actually didn't know about that whole controversy up yeah. until like a month ago or something yeah. like that. And, yeah. I, and I saw some comments of like Tim Burton. I don't know if he was like being honest about it or he was just like trying to make himself look better. But he said that he never really casted like people in his films before because he likes a certain aesthetic and he likes to make like his characters super pale as compared to like the dark and black backgrounds. Right. But no, I don't it's know, a contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah he of likes course, that contrast. contrast. Yeah, he yeah. wants that contrast. But once again, I don't know if he was actually being honest or he was just trying to make himself look better and right. just dig himself a little out of that hole he got himself into. But yeah. yeah. But just to wrap it up, Jay, you got any parting words for everybody? Well, you know what? I actually, I do want to recommend, um, now that when we talked about um, uh, Latin uh, movies, television created by Latin creators and everything. Right. One thing I would like recommend for our listeners and everything, check out this. Uh, it was a TV uh, miniseries called An American Family. And it was on PBS back in the early 2000s. And it was created by uh, Gregory Nava, who okay. is of Mexican and uh, Bosque um, uh, background. But it was pretty much like a all-star cast of Latin excellence. We have Edward James Almost. Sonia Braga, Isai Morales, Constance Marie, uh, Rachel Ticon, uh, uh, Ticotin, I'm probably just mispronounced her yeah, name. Yeah, you probably butchered it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ra- Raquel Welch. 
Rafael and everything. Who is Latina? Yeah. And by the way, so was Rita Hayworth. Yep. And so um, that was like a pure, great example of like representation, but mm-hmm. like inspired from the storyteller who was that same uh, race and everything. Yep. And they tackled like, you know, family, the Iraq war, how their family was involved in the Mexican revolution. But um, I bring that up because support ethnic creators, yep. you know. Two movies I can recommend that are great family movies who just happen to be a Latino family, mm-hmm. Tortilla Soup. That's a good one. And Home for the Holidays. I was about to recommend those as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Those are two movies, like you were talking about, Jorge, mm-hmm. that are about a family that just happened to be Latino, mm-hmm. not a Latino family. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Jorge, you got anything to say before we head out? Yeah, no, I would like to thank you guys for the opportunity to be here. It was a great experience, and I love our dynamic. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, like, yeah. we loved having you on here, man. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Ho- yeah. Hope you remember where it is, because you're going to be coming again. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be more than happy to. Awesome. And yes, just like uh, Jay said, uh, support ethnic creators and directors, as long as they're talented. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't come across this cualquier porquería. But... Yeah, you're right. Support creative directors. Don't support them just because they're X, Y, Z. My last words is that, yo, just treat each other right. Appreciate the culture, but don't appropriate the culture. And, you know, so you can appreciate it. You can you can um, do whatever it is that you like to do, but just make sure that you don't try to, you know, perverse it, you know. And please, please, as a Latino, I beg you. Just pronounce it the way you pronounce those words. Don't try to over enunciate the things <laughs> because I hate when people go, "Oh, would you like, would you like some nachos?" <laughs> Just call them nachos, bro. So, what do you guys think uh, after recording this? Do you guys want to watch Andor? <laughs> Andor. Andor. <laughs> we should plan a trip to Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> and we can on the way that we can watch El Mandalorian. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us, and we will see you. You've just listened to the Minorities Report from Make It A Combo Productions. Executive produced by Jesse and Junior. Check them out on all platforms. And don't forget to follow our other podcasts, Am I a Slut? and Make It A Combo. Thank you and goodbye.